Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And I'm here just several days before free agency. We'll do a little free agency preview. We'll also do some combine buzz, right? I was there most of last week into the weekend. And there's a lot going on in Indianapolis. A lot of chatter, a lot of buzz, a lot of stuff involving the Giants, right? Now, before I get to that, one of them being Olivier Vernon, that trade rumor that turned out to uh, turn into fruition and he ended up getting traded. I'm taping this on Friday, so he was traded earlier today. But before that, let me address, I was uh, called out by Ty Roselli on Twitter. And I don't blame you, Ty. Fully deserved. He said, I promised you guys I was going to produce regular podcasts, right? That we were going to be weekly. I was going to be on top of it as much as I can and be consistently churning content out for you guys and girls and men and women. But I slipped a little bit. Things happened. I went on vacation, which I told you was coming. But after that, I was going to tape yesterday, going to the city. My daughter's got a fever, stays home from school. I can't go in all of a sudden. So I'm doing my best, I promise you. Now, I deserve all, all the blame, right? You guys can get on my back. It's all well-deserved. I made a promise. I need to do better. I need to do better for you. And I'm going to try. I'm going to try my hardest to be more consistent with these podcasts, okay? But in the meantime, let me tell you, in order to make it happen, I'm sitting in my home studio, which, by the way, doubles as my closet, all right? Making sure that you guys get this information that you need. And what I'm going to start with here is the Olivier Vernon trade. All right, he was traded. Today's Friday. He was traded to the Browns for Kevin Zeitler, uh, and they exchanged the Giants sent a fourth-round pick, and the Browns sent back a fifth-round pick. All right, all the details go on ESPN.com. You can find them. Let me say this about what sticks out about this, and this is I reported last week when I was at the combine. It was the buzz, go, one of the buzz going around there, some of the buzz going around there, that the Giants were looking to trade Vernon, or they were at least talking to people about trading Vernon. Now, part of that was they were go- they only wanted to really they didn't look. He's a good player, not a great player. He's been injured the last couple of years. He had a little run in at some point with Pat Shermer during this past season. That was over Shermer being critical over him publicly. Shermer was publicly critical of Vernon, but there's more bigger factors to that, right? He's paid a lot of money. He costs a lot of money. and But he still brings a skill. The Giants were going to keep him unless they were able to or thought they would be able to line up a suitable replacement, somebody who they thought was a, a real deal pass rusher, at least a top-end pass rusher, not, say, pro bowl or all pro, but a top-end pass rusher, which is what you should consider, Vernon, a guy who's going to average at least seven or eight sacks. So... To me, this move signifies that. The Giants, in their mind, in their head, there's another shoe to drop right now. I don't know where it's coming. I don't know where it's coming from. But the way it was related to me was they were only going to do this and move on from Vernon if they thought they can get that other top pass rusher. So he's out there somewhere now. Is it D. Ford from the Chiefs who was franchised but 
allegedly is or reportedly is available via trade? Maybe. Is it Zadarius Smith, a free agent from the Ravens? Is it Preston Smith? I don't think it's going to be Trey Flowers, who, to be quite honest with you, he comes from the Patriots, is quite similar to Olivier Vernon. So to commit that long-term money to Trey Flowers now, when they basically could have just kept Olivier Vernon and Vernon had no more guaranteed money left, they could just move on at any point that they decided through this transition. To make that switch doesn't make much sense to me. But the Giants need pass rushers, people who specifically can get after the corner, uh, the quarterback. Not the cornerback. The quarterback. So I think there's another shoe to drop, and it's going to come pretty soon. Right? Free agency, tampering starts on Monday. And the trade market is going to really heat up by Wednesday when free agency opens for good. So as far as other combine buzz, you want you want to talk about trades because this is the one everyone asks me about consistently, right? What's going on with Odell? Uh, we heard uh, these under-the-radar, like under-the-surface rumors, Odell, Browns, this, that. I heard nothing definitive on that, that something's going to happen with the Browns. As a matter of fact, after talking to people in and around the league, my belief is this on the Odell Beckham situation regarding trade, okay? The Giants are not going to put him on the trade market. They're not going to actively go out and try and trade Odell Beckham Jr. But if somebody is going to talk to them about Odell, and put in an offer, they're going to listen. Now, they would have to be blown away. Blown away for uh, anything involving Odell Beckham Jr. Now, why, you say? Right? Because there's a couple factors in this. Number one, they just paid him $21.5 million last year. Okay? For one year. They just signed him. He paid got paid $21.5 million for 12 games. Right? And then you look at it, if they trade him, they have to take on another $16 million in dead money. Whether it's this year, next year, however, you could make it post-June, whatever you want to make it. That's still $16 million in dead money that goes on their cap. And obviously he's a great player. The fan base would be upset. And imagine Dave Gettleman going into John Mara's office and saying, yep, yeah, I want to trade Odell Beckham Jr. Fan base is going to be furious. We all know that. A good chunk of the fan base is going to be furious. The guy is a tremendous player. Okay? So start there. But he's got to go in there and say, we're trading Odell, which signifies what? You trade Odell and you're, you're likely the deal is going to be based around draft picks. So at that point, you're basically saying, we're rebuilding. If you're John Mara, aren't you like, well, why didn't we rebuild last year? Why didn't we make this decision last year? Right before we have the sixteen million in debt money, before we paid twenty one and a half million for one year, while we had the number two overall pick, a new coach, a new general manager, now one year later we're going to come back and sell it to ownership that it's the time to rebuild and trade Odell Beckham Jr. That's a head scratcher. So it would take an absolutely monster package, in my opinion, to get Odell. Now, the team you hear out there on the street, and I've heard it from multiple sources, that would definitely be interested if he was on the trade market, or might even be interested even if he's not on the trade market, 
is the San Francisco 49ers. Now, they do have an asset that can get the Giants to at least think about it. That asset is the number two overall pick in this year's draft. Right? If you're going to get your quarterback and they have a guy that they love and watching the quarterbacks throw and everything at the combine, I think the most likely case is if they had that guy that they really fell in love with, it would be Dwayne Haskins. He checks all the boxes in regards to off the field, leadership, uh, his ability to throw and make all the throws and make all the plays. The only thing I'm not sure the Giants are sold on at this point is do they think he's able to function under pressure in the pocket well enough? That's the question on Dwayne Haskins. Now, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that right now, except the people inside the organization and the ones making those decisions. But Haskins impressed at his interview, has some really good college tape. There's a lot to like about him, a lot to like about this young man. You could see him being able to handle the New York media. You could see him thriving under the pressure. I mean, look what he did at Ohio State. Played awesome in those, in big games. Played in a pro offense. Understand, understand schemes, routes. There's a lot to like with him. And to me, that would be the guy that the Giants might get. And the number two overall pick would allow them to do that and still have their sixth pick. So if the 49ers were perhaps interested, that would be something that might be able to Attract the Giants' attention. Still probably need more than just that. But that would be a pretty good starting point. Otherwise, I think it's unlikely. I really do. I think it's unlikely that the Giants trade Odell Beckham Jr. this offseason. Some other combine buzz. The one player, the one free agent that I really heard connected to the Giants that I feel... Like, okay, this guy has a pretty good shot of landing on the team. And you have to understand, the game's changed a little bit. The the timing of everything has changed. So you go to the combine. Now that there's that tampering period, agents and teams talk. They don't, and they kind of know where everyone's at in regards to what they're looking for on the open market, what the team is looking for personally, and what the player is looking for in terms of compensation. But there's no, like, hammering out deals as much as there used to be. And the Giants usually stay away from the tampering part unless it involves really big players, guys that they feel like they have to do it do it on, right? Because everyone else is out there essentially tampering and talking to teams and at least setting themselves up so next week they're ready to roll. Now, the guy to me, and it makes a lot of sense in regards to he played for James Betcher in Arizona, right? He's a guy who... Feels a huge need because the Giants don't have a cover linebacker is Dayon Buchanan, the former, or I don't know if he's former, he's definitely going to be former, but for right now, he's the former Arizona Cardinals linebacker. Uh, the converted safety, I believe, uh, cover linebacker. Played well for James Betcher, didn't have such a great year this past year, didn't even play that much under Steve Wilkes and Al Holcomb. But, that's a guy that the Giants need. And then I believe, and from hearing the chatter around Indianapolis, that he has a pretty good shot of landing on this roster. 
as far as some of the own, other Giants own guys. Look, they don't have a ton of guys, big free agents, right? Landon Collins is now a big free agent. And we'll get to that in a few, in a minute. Um, but the Giants mostly have second, third tier guys, right? Uh, Nate Stupar, a lot of special teams guys. Now the Giants want to bring some of the, most of these guys. These are the guys I think the Giants kind of want to bring back, right? Nate Stupar, Kerry Wynn, Josh Morrow, even though it probably it turns out as they only end up bringing up one of the two between Wynn and Morrow. And Antonio Hamilton, even though they didn't tender him, outside shot, they bring him back. Same with uh, Spencer Pulley, who's a restricted free agent, as was Antonio Hamilton. But that would be at $2 million. So my, from what I could tell is between Hamilton and Pulley, the Giants might want to bring those guys back. But at a lesser price than the two plus million they would have gotten as restricted free agents if they were tendered. All right, Nate Stupar, he's a good special teams player for the Giants. Uh, he'll have some interest because he was, he's a good special teams player. So my feeling and from what I heard is he'll have some suitors out there. Um, again, will be for probably a, a low price comeback, sort of maybe like a minimum kind of guy, but a guy that the Giants were very happy with. Carry win, he's going to be more than the minimum, but he's also going to have some suitors. There's teams out there that want him. It'll probably be, you know, in the one year deal range for, you know, a couple million, two, three million. But, you know, win contributed on defense and special teams. That might be his notch up on Morrow is he's win was a big special teams contributor. Morrow is another guy. He's not suspended this time for four games. Uh, play strong at the point of attack. You know, these are defensive line rotation guys winning tomorrow. They're not game changers, but they're good guys to have as part of your rotation. And so the Giants are likely going to bring one of those two guys back. Morrow has that connection to James Betcher. That's one notch in his belt for sure. They raved about him. Curtis Riley on the back end. Okay, let's talk about the safeties, all right? Let's move on to the safeties because it's got a lot of play the last couple of days. This past week, Landon Collins had decided to let him go. Now I get it. I, you know, I, I don't really necessarily agree with it because I think the Giants need defensive playmakers. And ironically, if you look at it, they just let two of their three best defensive players go. Landon Collins, they're letting him walk. They didn't give him the franchise tag. And Olivier Vernon, they just traded him. So the defense, which wasn't very good in the first place, just lost two of their three best players. They're going to have to bring in new guys here. Now, my problem with the whole Landon Collins thing, and I get it, if he was a free safety, he's a better investment, I get it. That That's the Giants' reasoning. They He's not great in coverage. He's a little limited in that regard. It would have been a lot of money for a guy who plays in the box. Didn't Wasn't an ideal fit in James Betcher's interchangeable safety defense, but we'll get to that later. Um, I just... I, I don't like letting players that are 25 years old, difference makers, playmakers, like Landon Collins, you should be able to use Landon Collins in your defense. But they wanted to move on, and I get it. Fine. I'm all right with that part of the decision. My complaint here would be this. What are they doing business-wise? The Packers traded a fourth-round pick for HaHa Clinton Dix last year at the trade deadline. Right? Fourth-round pick. And I was speaking to a pro personnel person around the league, and he says to me, oh, Landon is way better than Hanukkah Dix, much better player. 
So you're telling me the Giants couldn't get a third rounder at the end of next last year at the trade deadline? Instead, they just let him walk, and at best is they get a third rounder next year. And that's based on the the compensation pick uh, formula. So their hands are in that now. So best case scenario is they get a compensation pick at the end of the third round, which is essentially a fourth rounder. They didn't really shop him fully at the at the trade deadline last year. Like this, that's just bad business. You, it, it says to me that they didn't either. They changed their mind. They thought they were going to keep him and then change their mind, or they didn't have their mind made up. You got to be ahead of these things. You have to be ahead of them. The New England Patriots are ahead of these things. They get rid of guys early. They don't wait late. And I talk to people around the league. They don't understand what the Giants are doing from a business perspective when it comes to Landon Collins. It seems silly. Foolish. And honestly, it's bad business the way they're operating right now. That's bad business. I get it. You don't love him as a player. You didn't want to bring back his player. I'm fine with that. But I'm not fine with the way you handled it. They, didn't, if you, they never offered him a long-term deal, which indicates you never really planned to sign him long-term. So then why don't you get ahead of it and trade him when you can? Season was over last year. Instead, that he tore his shoulder, tried to play through it for a little bit. I mean, like, what are they doing on the business end? I'm fine with the football evaluation. Granted, now they have a whole defensive backfield to basically replace because now Landon Collins isn't coming back. From the sound of it, Curtis Riley isn't coming back. So the Giants need two new starting safeties. Now maybe one of them, and I think this should be the plan, I think it's the plan from what I could tell, at least it's leaning in that direction, is they go and they go into next year and Mike Thomas now steps into a starting role. At a much more reasonable price, right? Now, I think it's a little bit of a downgrade. It's not he, he can't do some of the things that Landon Collins can, obviously physically, but Mike Thomas is a leader. He can call the signals, call the plays, handle getting everyone in, in order in the back of the secondary and be a, be a good player near the line of scrimmage and a serviceable player in coverage. So you have a serviceable safety on one side. You go get someone else on the other side and I get it. Fine. Yeah, but that makes sense. Just the business side of it, I'm wondering, why did they handle it that way with Landon? Why did they get something when they could? Now maybe, maybe they get a late third-round pick, early fourth. So we'll see how that goes. As far as other little buzz, Jamon Brown, I think there's a, still a chance he could come back. As a depth guy on the offensive line, it depends kind of what his market's going to be in free agency. Now, the Giants were never going to pay big money for him. Remember, this is a guy that claimed off waivers. But let's see what his value is around the league. There were teams interested in claiming him when he was on waivers last year. Giants were at the top of the list, though, so they got him. He played. He proved to be a serviceable starter. He upgraded their line considerably because they didn't have a serviceable starter at right guard in the first half of the year. Patrick Amame was – that didn't work out. That was terrible. So we'll kind of see where that goes with Jamon Brown. I still think there's an outside chance he comes back. But more than guard, I think the Giants need to address 
the right tackle position. Now, after seeing that they just invested $10 million in Kevin Zeitler, the move to me now, and Darrell Williams was going to be a guy that they looked into, and probably still will be, but it depends what his demands are, right? This is a guy who was a, a upper echelon right tackle before missing all of last year. So right, the starting tackles on the free agent market usually mean big money. I don't, I can, I don't see the Giants being able to ultimately invest now in a, a big money right tackle after they just invested in a guard. They already have a big money left tackle. They invested in a, I know it's, financially it's not huge, but in a, in a second round pick left guard in Will Hernandez. That's a lot of investment in the offensive line. So they might have to find their next right tackle in the draft. The mid-round of the draft might be the place to find that guy. I think right now that's probably the best way to do it and go about it. Because they got to invest in defense at some point. I put out on Twitter today, they have 28% of their salary cap right now invested on defense. Some 53%, I think it was, on offense. So almost twice as much on offense as they do in defense. Now, they're going to make some moves on defense. Get ready for it. Those moves are coming. Those moves are coming. All right. That's it, I think, with the buzz on that. As far as free agency, positions of need, defense, defense, defense. Special teams, special teams, special teams. That's where the Giants are going to focus their attention. Right? Their offense is stacked. They could use a right tackle. We can argue about whether they could use a quarterback. Obviously, you know where I stand on that. But their money's going into defense right now. Edge players, watch out for Sedarius Smith, Preston Smith, right? D Ford potentially in the trade market. Marcus Golden, another former Cardinals guy. Hasn't been as good a player the last couple years in regards to numbers and sacks. I think he got injured and hasn't been the same player since, but a player James Betcher knows and likes very much. Might be a good quality low-risk signing for the New York Giants. Those are some of the names that I would watch out for in regards to edge players. Interior defensive line. That's another position I expect the Giants to attack and attack very strongly. Got to improve that run defense. Linebacker, I mentioned already, Dion Buchanan. He's the one that sticks out. I mean, this is a good linebacker group in free agency. Dion Buchanan. C.J. Mosley, Quan Alexander. Now, Alexander and Mosley are going to cost big money. Buchanan, he's coming off a down year. I think it might be a little less. Anthony Barr, also another guy I'd keep an eye, my ears open for. Interesting guy. Played, you know, outside linebacker in a 3-4 in Minnesota. Can he be a 4-3, a 3-4, uh, sorry, if we played in a 4-3 in Minnesota. Can he be a 3-4 outside linebacker? Some team is going to think so. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants view him as a potential big pass rusher. Like, I know he hasn't done that throughout his career. And then secondary, Giants are going to add some cornerbacks. We talked about the safeties. they got to address that. I mean, the safety market is loaded. Loaded, loaded, loaded. I mean, the guys that are – it was Earl Thomas, Landon Collins, Tyron Matthew, Ha Ha Clinton Dix – I mean, guys have been getting cut in the last few days. Um, 
Uh, Eric Berry is likely to join these guys. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are going to be available. Now, my gut tells me the Giants, Adrian Amos is a good player. My gut tells me the Giants are going to sign a veteran guy in the secondary next, you know, at, at safety. And you're and make us scratch our heads even more. Like, what is, where are they going? You know, it's, they're, they're not, it's a team that's not just, you know, they should be building for the future. Should be building for two, three years down the line. I have a feeling that they're going to sign a safety that you're like, eh, guy will be a good player for like two years, two, three years tops. So it makes you, you know, where this team is headed in regards to their long-term plan is what really has people scratching their head. It's really hard to look at them and see where this Giants organization is headed. And I think that's the biggest problem with everything going on is are they really looking towards the future? Because they're not winning with Eli Manning at quarterback at this point. we got to come to that realization. I hope everyone has come to that realization at this point. And if it happens otherwise, I will eat my words. But it is really hard for me to imagine this organization winning until they find their next franchise quarterback. And before that guy is up and running and at the top of his game, two years minimum, right? At least your second year in the NFL. You know, two, maybe three years. And that's where the Giants should be targeting right now. How do we get so this is a really good team in two to three years? And I'm not sure they're looking at it that way. They're still, in my opinion, and the way it looks, at least from a, a outside perspective, is they're still looking at it as how do we try and compete at the same time as we do that. And to me, that's a flawed way of operating. We'll see how it pans out. There's a long way to go here in free agency and the trade market. We'll see. The jury's out. In the meantime, on to the next one. Let's go to my favorite part of the program. I call it Giants After Dark. It's where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions. We're going to start here with James Wood. He asks, where do you stand on talent versus fit? Would it have been right to retain Collins on a high salary when he didn't necessarily fit our defensive scheme? Okay, James, I kind of agree with you a little bit. It's a a tough one to navigate, but that's what coaching is all about, in my opinion. You know, the great coaches are able to use the players to their strengths and win that way. Like Bill Belichick, I think, honestly, I've been thinking about this recently. I think Bill Belichick is so great because he could just take guys, use them to their strengths, change his team on a weekly basis, and still, like, they, they, you know, they're from a run heavy team one week or a blitz heavy team one week to a, a pass heavy team another week to a zone, D, a zone team that sits back as a cover two team the next week. Like, he just is, does it contingent on the opponent and is such a good coach that he takes his players and molds them into what he needs them to be for that specific week. And it's always changing. So to me, coaches need to be able to coach the guys up. I mean, Landon Collins is a player that Bill Belichick can work with. I mean, he would have a ton of fun with him of using that guy and using him to, using him to his strengths. So I think talent to me is a little more important than fit where it's, you get the talent, and the coach's job is to make it fit. 
Question number two comes from Jason Levine, who I know for a while now, back in college. So I had, I had to pick his question here. A little favoritism, almost like a, you know, nepotism style, although we're not related. Uh, choosing of this question. A lot of people ask an iteration of this, right? Why not offer pick number 37 for Rosen and use number six on another need? Ending up with Barkley, Rosen, and Williams, that would be Quinn and Williams. Let's, uh, hypothetically, they take him number six in the draft. I believe that's what he's saying. From the last two drafts, that would be a fantastic haul, plus Rosen's signing bonus is already paid. Granted, agreed. That would be a pretty good haul draft-wise. Now, there's some questions to it that make me say, eh, I don't know if the Giants are going to go that route. Number one being, we don't really know what the price is. They could offer the second-round pick for Rosen, but has his value actually been depressed that much in the span of a year? Remember, we're talking about a top-ten quarterback last year, a quarterback that people thought was in the running for the Giants with the number two pick. Like, are they really going to take a second-round pick for him at this point? We don't even know if they're even going to trade him, to be honest with you. So uh, there's that part of it. Then on the flip side, there's also the part is, I know it's a low risk investment. It wouldn't, it would only take a second round pick. The money is amazing. So to me, it would be worth a shot as long as you like them a little bit. But in a way, it would be settling for the Giants, right? They passed on him last year. My understanding is he wasn't even their top quarterback. There was concerns about him landing in New York and being able to handle New York with his personality and leadership and everything, just the way he, you know, different people. Some people are made for New York. Some people aren't. So I think there were some questions inside the building about that. So would they? do they even value him enough to say, we want to spend our next two years investing in him as our quarterback? Right? That's where the investment is. If the investment then is in time. Because the clock is ticking on Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard. I mean, sorry, Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley. Sterling Shepard, too, but he's a free agent next year. So, you know, there's there's a, that, that part of it, I think, is huge. I'm not so sure the Giants are sold in them. In a way, to me, it would almost be as if they're settling. Question number three was asked me by a bunch of friends because my buddy Elliot Shore Park, who I used to work with, covers the Eagles now for uh, WIP, used to work together with him at uh, CBS, I mean, sorry, at uh, NJ.com. He had a, a tweet yesterday, I believe it was National Serial Day, where he had a, a list of cereals. I believe it was a Captain Crunch, I mean, sorry, Cinnamon Toast Crunch number one, Captain Crunch with, with berries number two. He's listing his favorite cereals here. Uh yeah, where is it? I'm trying to find it. Number three was Cocoa Puffs, Special K with Strawberries, and Lucky Charms. And someone asked me what would be my favorite cereal. And I will say this. A couple of my friends asked me we were going, but we, you know, we had a, a text string on this. And, uh, look, I don't agree with Elliot on pretty much anything. He's, dude's out there. In a good way. Love him. Great guy. But his takes are out there. Okay? And, but Cinnamon Toast Crunch? I told him, I said, this might be your first good take in a long time. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the goat. The goat of cereals. 
pretty clear to me. Now, I like I love Captain Crunch, too, so I'd probably even go Captain Crunch, too. But, yeah, with the berries, I go with peanut butter, tomato, tomato. Not a huge difference, but we're on the same wavelength when it comes to cereals. Captain Crunch, awesome, especially the peanut butter. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, the best. Can't top it. I'm telling you. So there's my cereal take of the day. Question number four comes on Instagram from Steve Odyssey, right? With Collins, Vernon, and Snacks gone, is the Giants' defense the worst in the entire NFL going into free agency? What can, moves can be done to fix that? Another good question would be to address whether the Giants should move Hernandez to right guard. Well, the Giants don't want to move Hernandez to right guard as far as I understand. And Zeitler played on the right, so, you know, it would be nice and easy. Keep Hernandez where he's familiar with. Don't put too much on his plate. He's the younger guy. Easy enough on that one. First question, yeah, the Giants' defense right now, bad. It was bad during the season, right, when they – especially – it wasn't good when they had Snacks, Eli Apple. It became worse when they traded them, and now they're getting rid of Collins and Vernon. So going into free agency, this defense is bare bones. I mean, they have nothing for James Betcher to work with at this point, and I mean nothing. I mean, their pass rushers right now are Lorenzo Carter, who showed some promise as a rookie, a third-round pick. B.J. Hill also on the interior, five and a half sacks. I don't know if he's ultimately a, a big. I, I I think that's on the high end of his range. I don't I don't see a guy who's going to be a double-digit sack guy from the interior from him. But good player. Then on the edges, they have uh, along with Carter, they have um, what is it Kareem Martin, who is not a big sack guy. I believe he has less than a, five sacks in his entire career, and. Avery Moss, who's on the practice squad pretty much this year, this entire season. So the Giants have nothing at the maybe the most important defensive spot. I would say it is the most important defensive position. Edge rusher. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Like in regards to comparison to teams like they have two, three legit pass rushers. Like guys that you, you could see getting eight to ten sacks. They have zero right now. Maybe Lorenzo Carter can. Maybe he can grow into that this year. But we haven't seen it yet, so I, I can't count him at that level. But so defense is bad. I mean, they got even on the back end. No, they they have Mike Thomas at safety. That's pretty much it right now. Uh, Janaris Jenkins at cornerback. Grant Haley played all right at slot cornerback, but again, jury's still out on whether he could do it again. I, I do like him. I think he could be a useful player for sure. And then Sam Beeler counting on a lot. And Dave Gettleman said even at the combine, and I take offense to this a little bit. Or I object to this. I should say, not take offense. He said Sam Beal. They still view him that he would have been a you know he would have been a second round pick in the draft. Except that he got injured, right? He got injured and didn't play the whole season. So he was a third round compensatory pick. He didn't play the whole season because his shoulder was messed up and got injured in the very first practice. There's no way in the world that guy was going to be a second round pick now this year because you had the injury concerns that would have been on top of it. Because the shoulder wasn't sec- uh, structurally sound. It had problems before they drafted him. So that logic to me just blew my mind. Sorry. No way. When they're counting on him. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. But, yeah, I mean, that's it's a risky run. We don't really know what we're going to get from that. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that pans out. And for the last question, we'll do Riot Act, who asked me on Instagram also. 
He said, without looking it up, can you name the last time the Giant the Giants drafted a start uh, started a car uh, started a QB they drafted? Which is a good question because I mean it's a technicality, but Eli wasn't drafted by the Giants, right? So it's been forever. Right? They draft Davis Webb, never starts a game. Kylo Letta hasn't started a game. Uh Ryan Nassim never started a game. Andre Woodson, Rhett Bomar. And without looking, I will tell you I got it wrong. I went back and I thought Dave Brown. Now that was a little too far back. Right? The answer was 2003. And Riot Act told me this. The Bachelor. Jesse Palmer. Which is pretty unbelievable. He has any other franchise gone this long without starting a quarterback they drafted in at least one game. And I wasn't able to look it up. But I'd be hard-pressed. You'd be hard-pressed to find a team that hasn't started anybody in 16 years now. Started a quarterback in 16 years that they drafted. I, I doubt it. I mean, that has to, that has to be the longest streak. If it's not, somebody reach out and tell me. I'd love to, I'd love to hear a team that, that is not the case. So, all right. That's it for this week's Giants After Dark. We'll do this again next time. Well, actually, you know what? We'll have some Giants After Darks. I know there's a lot going on. So we'll do them since they're only going to have a short shelf life during free agency. We'll do them some nights at the end of the night. So look out for them on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, follow me, right? That's the future. Instagram, Twitter stinks. Cesspool. Get on Instagram. At Jordan Ron on ESPN. Follow me. On to the next one. Let's finish it up here with a little Jordan on the beat. I'll give you a little taste of what it's like to cover the New York Giants, to cover the NFL. you got to think of some other questions. My goodness. It was Combine Week last week. Let me tell you what Combine Week is like, right? I mean, it's crazy. It's just a drunk fest where everybody's running around in Indianapolis out at night, and you're just out with coaches, GMs, scouts, personnel department people. I mean, you name it in the NFL. Reporters, TV producers, everybody's out. We're all going out, drinking at the same place. I mean, you can see in one corner, oh, look, there's John Elway. And you're walking around the elevator. Oh, there's Dan Marino. Uh, there's Sean Payton. There, you know, you name the general manager. And there's Pat Shermer. I didn't see Dave Gettleman out and about, but, you know, you get the point. And so most of the people are going to one place. They're staying out till who knows what time of the day. Coaches left and right. Just guys, you know, sharing information. You know, you have a couple of drinks, the lips get looser. And everybody just is able to converse like natural human beings. And something you put in your back pocket, and there you go. You have it for later. So, yeah, the combine, very, very useful. Pat Shermer, by the way, drinks red wine. That's his thing. He's a red wine drinker. At least that's what I saw him with. Maybe he likes some other stuff, too, but... Just, just thought you would know that. Some really useful information right there that I provided you about the combine and Pat Shermer's drinking preferences. Red wine kind of guy. Not sure if it's a cab or a, a Pinot Noir or what, but, or, you know, the countless other possibilities. I'm not a wine expert. What do I know? But yeah, that's how, that's how the combine works. So you get all this information and, you know, one day you bump into, uh, Something that tells you uh, Olivier Vernon's going to get traded. Turns out, a week later, yeah, it was true. 
And you got to vet all this stuff. You know, you don't just take it and run with it. You take it, you vet it, you decide how real or not real it is. Some people are just like to blow smoke. Some people are just talking drunk. You never know. But that's what the Combine's about. Now, my other story is there's the other half of it where the players come in and they do interviews, right? You don't really get to watch much of it at this point. They don't really, they don't let the media in anymore. Only team personnel pretty much and TV partners are allowed in to watch. So I wasn't on the ESPN broadcast. So for the, the only part I was allowed to watch was they let certain group of reporters go in for quarterbacks every year. And I like to go in and watch these anyway. So I went in and watched the quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins in particular. And then there's a media room that's outside the stadium that they have players coming in throughout the week. Every player goes in, does an interview, meets with the media, the cameras, reporters, all there. And so Dwayne Haskins was the guy. He's there. You know, and I, I make sure I listen to Dwayne Haskins. He's a big quarterback. He's coming out. You know, he's a big quarterback in this draft, one of them at least. And uh, there's a possibility he could end up on the Giants, blah, blah, blah. So he talks. I go, introduce myself to him as he's walking away. I said to him, uh, hey, Dwayne, Jordan Ronan, ESPN. I cover the Giants. I'm going to be covering you for the next decade. Got a little chuckle out of it, Dwayne Haskins. Now he knows, right? He's going to be like, hopefully, the point is, 10 years down the line, or even two months down the line, he says, huh, I remember that. This guy told me he's going to be covering me. Ends up getting drafted by the Giants. He's like, oh, you're the guy that said you're going to be covering me for the next decade. We'll see if it works. Probably not. But, hey, I shot my shot. Right? If you don't shoot your shot, you're just wasting your time, right? You might as well. What's the downside? Right? Is there a downside? Is there a downside? Nah. Some big believer. You do something, you go for it, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's the way of the world. Got to put yourself out there. So there we go. And then, the, so afterwards, I come home, okay? And uh, some kids decide it's funny. They look up my number and they end up getting my parents' number. So they call my parents' house, right? And uh, they say, yeah, it's Dwayne, it's Jordan there. And my mom picks up, it's like 1130 at night. It's Jordan there. It's Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. My mom has no idea who the heck Dwayne Haskins is. <laughs> All right, blah, blah, blah. So she calls me. I was actually, I played basketball. And so I was up, I was up late. She's like, somebody just called, says Dwayne Haskins. Like, no way it's Dwayne Haskins. Somebody pranking me. So I'm like, whatever, I'll call it. These people were were so stupid, the numbers were on caller ID. And they left the number, for God's sakes. So I call back, and I'm like, who is this? And then they're like, who's this? And I we went back and forth for a minute. And then you hear these kids laughing. They're like, yeah, it's Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Funny. Okay, funny. You called my parents, you loser. All right. But this is kind of what you have to deal with being a reporter these days. You know, people messing, pranking you, sending you nasty emails. Part of the deal. All part of the deal. But I got I got an I got an idea for all you guys. If you have something you wanted to say to me, just send me a nasty email. Okay? 
Anytime. I can handle nasty emails. That, that, that's the way to go. I'm open for all your nasty emails. Send it, make up a fake email account and send me all the nasty emails you want. Good with that one, alright? As far as this episode of Breaking Big Blue, that's the end of it. Alright? I hope you got plenty out of it. We'll be back next week in the middle of free agency week, right? Big week. A lot's gonna be going on. The Giants are gonna have a whole bunch of new players. It's gonna be crazy. So feel free to reach out to me anytime with your questions and look out. I'll be doing a bunch of, uh, Giants After Darks on Instagram and Twitter over the next week. I'm Jordan Ronan. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends. Tell your friends they need to listen to it. They need it. They need it. How else can they survive without it? They need it. Subscribe. Like. Uh, put positive comments. We need you. Grow this podcast. Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time. <laughs>